And meanwhile, in the cycling last night, there was more drama than a TV <laughs> soapy. We saw crashes, allegations of cheating, snap retirements, records shattered, and a 13-year reign toppled. Absolutely. It was uh, extraordinary vision. And I know we're going back uh, with the, the handlebar incident. <laughs> <laughs> they, don't, that, get, don't get your handlebars 3D printed. I think that's the moral of that story. Well, that equipment now has been recalled, to, to my knowledge. So there's obviously some issues on that front. But, uh, of course, uh, that was just one of the issues that took place. I was watching the TV yesterday and watching the Olympics and uh, we saw Britain and Denmark going at it. There was a bizarre crash between Frederick Madsen and Charlie Tanfield. Now, uh, as I was watching this, the the Danish rider had his head down. Um, Of course, you have to finish with three cyclists to deem that you've completed the race. He had his head down, charging uh, down the, the bottom of the velodrome and he just didn't see the GB opponent, rider, in front of him. He just clipped him. They both went down. Uh, there was a lot of consternation and a lot of cursing and, and towel throwing by all concern. And at the end of the day, um, you'd have to think, in my mind, that the Danes were uh, certainly in the wrong on that occasion. Yeah, and it's not just that particular incident. Uh, Great Britain and other teams have inc- accused the Denmark team of cheating after uh, there was shin tape noticed on some of the riders and undervests, and, and a lot of countries believe they might be illegal. Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, look, to my knowledge, what I heard is that uh, one of the uh, athletes was allowed to to have that, that shin guard or the, the, the taping that is used, but uh, the fact that all riders put them on, or certainly more than one, may fall outside the legalities at Olympic level. So, um, yeah, this, the equipment of the uh, the cyclists has been quite extraordinary. We talked about Alex Porter and what he went through with the handlebars or the handles. Um, yeah, there's an investigation taking place left, right and centre in cycling. It's been fascinating to watch. And, and, and when if you've ever been to the cycling to Ben, ben at a, Olympic Games... On TV, it looks, you know, they're, they're moving. You go inside uh, and sit down and watch them in the stands. It is just a blur of just speed and, and the courage and the, the ability of these cyclists, men and women, to stay upright most of the time is quite extraordinary. Yeah, and I think you take it for granted just how fast, you know, sort of 60 to 70 kilometres an hour is when you're on a bike uh, on a, a, a wooden velodrome that's on a camber of, what is that? What do you reckon? It's about oh, 10 degrees, something like that? It's pretty steep, and I... Probably we're not the experts to talk about that. Maybe but it's more than that. It would be maybe it's thirty degrees. <laughs> it would be something quite extraordinary, uh, particularly when you know you're about to head down at a rapid rate of knots, and you've got no control at times when you've been clipped or you're certainly going to ground. It's about preserving, and we know some bark was taken off a couple of the cyclists yesterday after they uh, hit the deck. But yeah, very tough sport. And a bit of a dangerous element to it as well. Yeah, well, speaking of cycling, we've got a very special guest today. WA's elite athletes on the podium. Joining us now is someone who's been cycling since she was five years old. She went to the London Olympics and is now one of WA's cycling champions, Josie Tomich. Thanks for joining us, Josie. Hi, no worries. Thank you for having me. And now, I'm curious, we were just speaking about riders who've fallen off so far in Tokyo. Have your handlebars ever fallen off during a ride? No, they haven't. And watching that, I was just so devastated for um, the Australian team. I mean, they've put so many years of hard work and that's just um, something that's totally out of their control. So, yeah, that was scary as well. Yeah, Alex Porter, unfortunately, uh, showed great courage to get back and and compete and and get uh, himself back in action. But, yeah, that must have been heartbreaking. Uh, Josie, 
in terms of what we've seen in the cycling so far, we've, we've talked about there's been as much controversy and, and allegations and incidents uh, with regards to equipment and, and allegations of cheating. What have you made of this cycling at to Tokyo so far? Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen, it's been pretty dramatic. We obviously had um, Alex Porter's handlebars um, snap off and then... Yesterday, we had the crash between the Danish rider and the um, British rider. Um, And then, obviously, there's been the um, debate about the Danes having the um, strip of tape down the front of their legs and and how that affected the aerodynamics and everything. So, it's been really interesting, um, very dramatic, and um, I don't really know what to make of it, to be honest. it's um, I feel really bad for the Australian males who that would have really, um, you know, that would have really hurt Alex Porter and it would have really kind of affected their ride. So um, it would have been interesting to see what they would have done without that happening. Mm. And talking about that tape, we were trying to figure out what the potential benefit of something like that is. You mentioned aerodynamics. Is that is that what it's about? Look, that uh, that's all I can think of. Um, and I know that there are rules to do with how much skin has to be showing. So mm. obviously you can't wear full-length skin suits and lycra. So I'm wondering, um, I also remember when I was riding, there was a certain height that your booties, which cover your shoes, um, could could go to so i'm guessing it's something to, to do with our aerodynamics and i guess countries are always looking for those small elements um that could um make up time and where they could improve um because it is just coming down to those you know hundreds of a second so i'm guessing that's what it's to do with but i don't actually know i'm not there yeah, right. And in, in that yeah. hunt for those hundredths of a second, uh, they're putting in so much effort and going so fast. And we've seen Alex take a spill. Can you give us an idea of what that's actually like when you're going so fast and on that particular surface? Yeah, so um, I'm a teacher now. I was actually talking to my class about that. We watched the crash and um, I said to them, you know, his head... Um, he just would not have expected that. So he would have had his head down in an aerodynamic position and then to, um, to be going so fast and um, not have seen that coming, it would, have been, it would have been over before he knew it, but it would have been a massive shock to the system. And you could see when he crashed, his head actually hit the track. The track's obviously made of wood and there's splinters and, yeah, it would have been um, an awful crash. Uh, Joshi, you talked about you being a school teacher. I'm, I'm guessing uh, primary school, am I on the right page there? Yeah, I teach year twos. Okay, yeah. so off the back of that, they must think you're a superhero given what you've done and watching these cyclists hit the deck in Tokyo. Uh, can you tell us whether even at that age, I mean, I grew up as, as a young boy and the Olympics you'd watch hopefully on TV when you could, so, certainly nowhere near the, the access we have now, but is there a similar feeling amongst these young boys and girls that wow this is something quite special that our country gets to enjoy once in a every four years or so yeah i've really enjoyed um watching a little bit of the olympics with my class this year and i've actually felt that because um they know that i went and they have that connection now even the kids who aren't really into sport they're actually really inspired and they wanted to ask so many questions about it um and they're asking deep questions you know and and coming to me and asking me how they can get better at things and um 
it's like they're kind of daring to dream. So I remember when I was a kid, I always dreamt of going to the Olympics, but it always seemed so far away and it kind of seemed impossible. So I think um, it's really nice to be able to kind of inspire these kids and especially the ones who are really driven and, and you know, do have those kind of goals. Um, it's really nice to be able to um, support them and kind of offer them advice and tips. And, and yeah, it's, it's been nice to watch to watch them. Be inspired. Yeah, exactly. We're speaking to Josie Tomic, uh, a cyclist who went to the Olympics and uh, watching on from afar now as the Australians search for success over there in Tokyo. Just as an outsider, I guess, uh, looking on now, how have you assessed the Australians so far over there in at the Olympics in cycling? Um, yeah, look, I think they would probably be feeling pretty disappointed. I mean, I think the men's... Um, team's pursuit were really unlucky and um, cycling is a really hard sport often there is a lot of luck involved whether it's crashing punctures that kind of thing um, I'm sure the women are disappointed too I'm not sure you know how they were tracking in training um, but I'm sure they were really aiming for a medal it's been three Olympics we missed out um, by point one in london and then they missed out in rio they had a crash that crash before the racing and the trading and now they've missed out again so um i'm sure they're feeling pretty gutted at the moment um and yeah i guess something needs to change and um yeah something needs to change before the next olympics and hopefully um the girls can get back in the medals in the team's pursuit and to be honest i'm not really sure about the sprinters i don't think the um carly has raced yet um but i think the i'm not sure how the boys would be feeling about this their sprint event yesterday where they got fourth speaking of fourth i uh, don't like to revisit painful times but uh, team pursuit yeah. as you mentioned in <laughs> london um how long did that take you to recover from missing out on on a medal uh well, i guess a lot of people say fourth in the world is still a, a remarkable achievement but every athlete sets their standards pretty high yeah it was pretty devastating at the time i remember um i knew i was going to retire from cycling after those olympics so i think that um I was really devastated from my coach. I really wanted him to, I wanted to finish off with a medal from him. We had a really close relationship um, and devastated for my family who'd been there all along the way and the other girls in the team. Um, but then I guess once I retired, I kind of um, saw sport and cycling as a small part of my life. And um, now when I look back, I'm really proud on the success I had, but I'm also, um, you know, really um, proud of, you know, where how it's helped me um move on in my life and it's taught me lots of lessons that I've learned from and, and I have to think I'm a better person because of all of it and um, whether I had a medal or not wouldn't really change that. Mm, here, here. And, and so how do you think, given how tough it was in those couple of days after uh, that result uh, in London, to think about these athletes now in Tokyo who maybe haven't been successful or as successful as they've wanted to, now instead of being able to hang around for the closing ceremony, they've got to jump on a plane, come back to Australia, 14 days with their thoughts in hotel quarantine. Yeah, that's really tough. I mean, I think for the cycling team, a lot of them will still have races. So hopefully they can turn um, the results from yesterday around and maybe um, come home with something still. So, um, But for the other athletes in other sports who have come home disappointed and empty-handed and then kind of have to be um, locked away in quarantine without that support um, from their family and friends, I can imagine um, it would be tough, but I'm sure and I'm really hoping that... Um, you know, this, uh, their sports have thought about that and have got support systems in place ready to help those people who, you know, their mental health does need to be protected and looked after. So I'm sure something has been put in place and I really hope that's the case.
Absolutely, and let's hope they get home a little more uneventfully than, say, our Ollie, our Ollie Roos and maybe some of our Rugby Sevens who uh, have copped a bit of heat over their uh, with behaviour on a flight back from Japan. But uh, that's what can happen at the end of an Olympic campaign. Of course, Australia v New Zealand for bronze tonight in the men's team pursuit. Now, Josie, just quickly, cycling, how did you get into it? Uh, was it by accident? Uh, I heard a whisper that Rottnest Island might have played a part somewhere. Why yeah, and how? I, mean, um, I used to ride around Rottnest Island from a really young age. Um, I guess I was just always really competitive. Um, I kind of picked up every sport and I just knew I was going to go to the Olympics. I didn't really care what sport it was for. And then um, I did running and I thought I did swimming and then I thought I'd try triathlons and then cycling was my strongest leg. So um, I stuck with that and I just um, loved the thrill of being on a bike, the freedom you got, um, how you got to explore the world, you know, tra um, training through the Pyrenees and mountains and all the beautiful places you would see. So, yeah, kind of, um, I kind of fell into it, but I um, really loved it. Mm. And and you were there in an era with Victoria Pendleton, Anna Mears. What was what was that period of the sport like, and how does it compare to where we're at now? Yeah, so um, when I was around, kind of Anna Mears and um, Victoria Pendleton, I guess we're at the height of London twenty twelve was there a huge rivalry, um, and it was fascinating to watch and be so close to. Um, and yeah, I guess now I. I'm not following cycling as closely as I used to. Um, I'm really into it now that the games are on, but I, I haven't heard of any stories like that. So hopefully, you know, in the coming years, some huge stars like that do come through, especially in the women's side. I mean, I think in the women's um, endurance, there's some really big British and American girls coming through, and obviously the German teams too. So there's still lots of excitement, um, and I'm sure that people who are into cycling are really enjoying watching and seeing how it all unfolds. Listening to Adam is in commentary uh, she was very anxious and uh, she said this is a far tougher deal sitting behind the microphone commentating than actually being out on the track and, and giving your all for your country I mean I don't know if she was an idol of yours but given her record given the setbacks and injuries she had um, she is just a, an icon of the sport I'm sure you feel the same way uh, being someone who's uh, achieved at the highest level Yeah Anna's amazing and um, I think you know for children if they need someone to look up to they should just follow her story and see what she's come back from um she had so many things that she had to overcome and she just kept performing to such a high level so yeah it's really quite amazing but um that is an interesting comment that she felt more nervous watching i guess um she probably like knew when she was racing she was in control of her own destiny and the results whereas yeah i guess from the sideline you all you can do is kind of cheer yeah and and what about you josie do you still get on the pushy um, I do very casually. I've got a daughter now. She's almost seven. So I've started getting her on the bike a little bit. She's up to doing 20K rides. Wow. So she's loving it. Um, yeah, so but I'm loving running. I'm training for a half marathon at the moment. So, um, and obviously I work full time in the classroom. So I try and stay really healthy and fit. But, um, you know, you wouldn't see me out um, doing 100 plus right, kilometre rides anymore. That's for sure. But I do enjoy going for a little ride with my daughter and stuff like that. Oh, well, you wouldn't see us doing it either, Josie. <laughs> Yeah, I just don't think it's that enjoyable. <laughs> uh, now, one, one young man, we talk about adversity and what Anna Mears went through and what she was able to achieve. I mean, someone like Matthew Glatzer, 
uh, coming back from cancer, diagnosed with thyroid cancer in 2019, missed the World Championships last year, torn calf. Unfortunately, lost his coach, the great Gary West, uh, from motor neuron disease in 2017. All this stuff is extraordinary. I'm not sure if you've got uh, any idea about the uh, the background with Ma- Matthew, but uh, to then go on and compete at this level, it's uh, it's almost beyond words what he's been through. Yeah, it is amazing. Um, I don't really know Matthew well, obviously, since um, I went to London with him and that was it. Um, But it's absolutely amazing and inspiring what he's managed to overcome. And hopefully, I mean, fingers crossed, he he can be rewarded, um, you know, with a nice shiny medal at these games. But if not, I'm sure um, he would still feel very proud that he's there and that he's managed to overcome all of those all of those things. And I guess that's the thing about the Olympics is a lot of the time we don't know the story behind each athlete and what they've had to overcome to get there. Um, you kind of just see that, that race, but you don't really know about all the layers and all the things they've overcome to just be there on the start line. Yeah, and it's great when those backstories come out, especially for the kids watching along, kids like the ones in your classroom, Josie. Uh, so we have to say a massive thank you to you, London Olympian and one of WA's cycling champions, Josie Tomich. Thanks for being on Let's Go Tokyo. No worries. Thank you for having me.